Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. All right, welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. Today's episode, episode four, we appreciate you tuning in. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, what's up, man? Good, good. Just, uh, I know we had some trouble last week, man, so I just wanted to apologize to the listeners with the audio, and I, I finally got that all figured out, uh, at least on how to get it uploaded. We had trouble getting it uploaded, and then we had some audio quality issues, so just kind of apologies for that. But other than that, man, good week. Good week. Yeah, great week. Yeah, we're working on the audio, man. We're getting everything lined out. As always, we're going to announce the jobs that are posted at globalenergymedia.com slash jobs. I checked uh, just a few minutes ago. There were 17 jobs available currently. Again, that is globalenergymedia.com slash jobs. Uh, There you will find information about jobs that are currently posted, uh, information about how to apply. If you'd like to find out more, uh, just reach out to uh, Ryan or myself, and we'd love to help you with that. Uh, jumping right in, Ryan, we uh, we have some cool articles that came out. Uh, breaking news seems like it's coming out every week uh, in and around the Permian. Uh, there are two new refineries that are being launched in Texas, uh, some shale production opportunities that MX and Raven Petroleum, uh, they're planning to build two refineries in Texas I mean, that are just massive. Uh, one uh, will cost $450 million, covering about 250 acres. Uh, they're estimating... That'll take 18 months to build, and it's going to process crude from the Permian Basin. Uh, The other is Raven Petroleum. They have plans to build a pretty massive refinery in Eagleford, and uh, they don't really have information about costs that are involved quite yet, uh, but it's going to be a massive, massive pipeline. Uh, Ryan, what do you think about those two refineries that are coming up in Texas? Yeah, a lot of good stuff here. Now, we you know, we talked about the MX one, I think, on episode two, uh, them and Maple, Maple Resources and um, how all that kind of worked out. So if you missed that, you can go back and check that out. Uh, I think the big takeaway here, Josh, is, again, uh, Mexico. We're going to have to change this to the Texas and Mexico podcast if we're not careful. It's just so much. I mean, there's so many deals going on between Texas and Mexico, and that's good to see because if you if you pay attention to the article, it says that you know right there, uh, the last paragraph, Mexico is in the process of deregulating its fuels market most recently by phasing out mandated gasoline prices. Demand in Mexico is growing by 3% per year, outpacing growth in supply. Gasoline prices rose by 20% in Mexico in January. It goes on. Um, And so this is a good opportunity because, obviously, you know, Texas is right there, especially West Texas, is right there by Mexico. So there's a lot of opportunity for people to get in the business and to, you know, take advantage of of what we have here in the States and then sell it to Mexico, and Mexico needs it. So I I thought this was very, very good to see and um, very optimistic to see that another refinery is coming up. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and some interesting stuff about the uh, the Raven Petroleum. They uh, they claim that their refinery is going to be different from 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 the others, and uh, what they say is quote both design and purpose. They're using geothermal and natural gas for power, uh, so it supposedly has very little emissions. And uh, it's said it's like you mentioned, it's being built specifically to export products uh, that are produced over to Mexico. Uh, so. Very exciting stuff. Yeah, and that's just a good business play. You know, that's just a good business play for the next, you know, I, we don't know really however many years. Mexico is going to be a hot emerging market. And so, um, you know, this will be something that's going to you know, cash a lot of checks for them in the near future. Yeah, I think I think going that route with trying to minimize emissions as much as possible kind of helps them get a better reputation as well. You know, taking those extra steps, I'm sure it costs extra money to, to take those steps. But 
you know, even if the even if the reality is it's not helping a lot, it, on paper it shows that they're trying. I think that with all the environmental right, right, they're, they're, yeah, they're definitely show, making the the effort, and we can get into the climate change debate another time. But you know, using natural gas is right there; it's clean, and there's a lot of it, so it just makes sense from a business standpoint too that it's cheap and clean and right there. So kudos to them. All right, man. Well, uh, moving on to the next article, we had some interesting stuff come out in the political world in Texas. Uh, the Associated Press has an article uh, from March 29th that talks about the Texas House OK's tougher immigration rules for energy sector. Uh, it says uh, there was a vote that happened Tuesday, uh, voted 97 to 46 vote mandates that energy companies use E-Verify, a program which lets employers check employees' legal status. Uh, how do we see this uh Ryan playing out in in the in the Texas oil and gas world, right, right. So if you're a you know an American citizen, obviously this is good news for you in the standpoint that you know it it, it should help you guarantee that you get a job and not an, an illegal immigrant. Um, I think there's a bigger discussion here that we really don't want to get into today, but about you know what do we do? Um, and, and this for a downturn, obviously we want Americans having American jobs. That's a no brainer. Um, the problem is going to be is you know in a in a, in a boom economy. Uh, when, when you can't find employees, and that's that's the reality. And in a boom economy, you just can't find enough oil and gas employees. What do you do? Um, and and so companies are going to want to go back and push this system and say, hey, okay, well, this was fine when oil was at fifty dollars a barrel, but it shot up to eighty, and all of a sudden we've got to staff up, and there's no one there's no one to hire. Um, and so the tendency is going to be for them to push back and don't want to go and hire an illegal immigrant. Um, and so that that's really going to be kind of the debate. I think for now, it's it's a, it's a great policy to make sure that American citizens are getting American jobs. Um, in the long run, it's a bigger discussion on immigration and how we should handle that. Um, that's not really what our show is about, obviously. But um, I think I think it's a good thing right now, especially when you got people in the industry in the states that are hurting for jobs. This is a good way to make sure that the companies are going to them first. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Uh, moving on to the next article, we have uh, Francis Total invest 1.7 billion in Texas Energy Site. Uh, this article is posted by Angela Charlton. And that was posted on March 28th of 2017. Ryan, this is uh, this is huge news, man. France uh, invests in huge money uh, in, in Texas. I think they're estimated that it's going to bring 1,500 uh, $1, local jobs uh, by 2020. Uh, just huge ventures that they're undertaking. And they're basically attributing this to the overall better market um, that is happening as a result of the Trump presidency. Uh, they, they mentioned here that, you know, the tax reforms that are supposed to come are starting to attract businesses from other countries. And uh, and so they're trying to take advantage of that and, and make some big plays. What do you think about the France's move? Yeah, and Total, they've been here, you know, for a while. And so they're, they're familiar with doing business in the U.S. And, you know, they're, they're obviously a huge company. So they do business around the world. Um, I think the big takeaway that I, that I that I like to see was a that they're going beyond the political rhetoric, rhetoric right? They're they're saying, okay, well, you know, this is this is what Trump may be saying as far as America's first, but these policies are actually beneficial, to, you know, for us too. And, right. and as, as citizens, that's what we want to realize is we want the free market to work itself out. We don't want the government to dictate what happens all over the place because exactly. that doesn't work. And if you don't believe me. Go to one of these countries where the government does dictate what happens and just ask the citizens how it's turning out for them. They will be happy to tell you it's not very good. Um, and so I was good, I was glad to see that Total here is saying, okay, you know what? 
you know, France and the U.S. may be on good terms, bad terms, or, you know, there's always a little tension between us and them over, over something. But, um, obviously we're, we're allies, but, you know, there's that, there's that, uh, we, we like to look down on them, I guess is a good way to put it. Whether that's, whether <laughs> right or wrong, right? I mean, freedom fries, and we went through all that stuff. And so, um, but, 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 but here you see that the market's working itself out and saying, okay, this is a good opportunity. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to put a, an ethane cracker up here in Port Arthur and 1,500 local jobs. Those are long term, Good jobs, and so that's very encouraging. And so um, excited to see Total is is partnering up here with uh, uh, Nova and I think it was Boralis, okay? yeah, yeah. Um, to to get this done. And they're going to invest something like seven billion dollars in this. So this is this is a massive deal. That's good for the state. It's good for Total, and it's good for the you know just uh, you know the world economy because anytime we can see again, kind of like with the Mexico thing, you've got I got this you know multinational deals that are going on here, and that's sending U.S. dollars to France, and all, you know everything's working together. So that's that's always encouraging to see. They mentioned a couple of things that I thought uh, in this article that were just fascinating. They mentioned uh, that Permian production is surging despite that no one is actually drilling for natural gas. That right now there are they they said there are zero rigs drilling. Um, the, the rig counts dropped to zero, and yet there is one billion cubic feet a day of natural gas since May of 2016. That is unbelievable. Yeah, you know it's uh, dedicated natural gra- gas rigs there, of course. Um, and you know it's it's one of the things that's, that's kind of hurt the natural gas industry is that it can't ever get back to high prices because everywhere we go, you know, when we drill for oil, there's natural gas, and so it just kind of compounds the, the the insult to injury, if you will. That you know, you go here, well, you drill for oil, there's natural gas. You go here, you drill for oil, there's natural gas, and so everywhere you go, you just keep getting more and more natural gas. And so these dedicated natural gas plays like the Haynesville Shale. You know they, they really kind of suffer because well you can get you know natural gas not anywhere but just about anywhere and so it's really it really kind of hurts the natural gas from that standpoint but it's helpful because now it opens up opportunities like these refineries we talked about um, like the deal we talked about last week with uh, the the stuff to Corpus Christi all of these deals are made made readily available because we have so much natural gas and it's just kind of coming based upon something that we're going to do anyways right and so we're right. going to go drill for this oil and boom there comes the natural gas so it really really works well together. This byproduct that I mean is really cutting. Seems like it's cutting costs down, and uh, I, I thought it was brilliant that that these things that they've actually figured out a way to capitalize on this natural gas. Well, I mean, you know, it's thing like this: if every time you went to the store uh, to buy a gallon of milk, you got a loaf of bread just because that's the way it worked, right? <laughs> right. I mean, exactly. what would it do to the price of bread? No one would want. You I mean it'd be, you'd have to have a, a real need to go. You had to buy two loaves of bread. Right, because then you know, for one gallon of milk, you get one loaf of bread, and that's not. I'm not getting the ratios of the oil and gas here, but that's just kind of think about it. Well, if every time you bought a gallon of milk, you got a loaf of bread. Well, until you needed two loaves of bread, you wouldn't go buy bread. And so, you know, that's just kind of a, an easy way to think about it. That that's what's happening. Every time they get a gallon of oil, they're getting you know they're getting natural gas. And so, I don't you know the ratios obviously is one to one, but you get the point nonetheless. Right. Uh, well, just one more thing from the article. Uh, we've already mentioned this twice today, so I hate to repeat it, but uh, Kinder Morgan and Enterprise Products Partners LP, they recently proposed some pipelines uh, to bring Permian gas south toward the coast and Mexico. So it seems like uh, everyone is trying to capitalize on this uh, lack, you know, this supply uh, problem that Mexico seems to be running into with natural gas and oil. And all these companies are seeing huge opportunities. So we keep seeing the same thing over and over. These folks are trying to capitalize on the opportunity to supply Mexico with natural gas and, and oil. 
so it's just huge opportunity there. And I'm sure um, that opportunity, that window is probably closing with all these deals happening. Right. And, and, and Josh, and this, and we've said this a couple of times now, but it's important to repeat is that that's what we want to see. We want to see companies that are all, you know, competing to get the products that Mexico needs to Mexico. Um, and then they'll meet that demand. And like you said, it'll taper off and then they'll go somewhere. They'll go somewhere else and do something else. And, you know, that's just kind of how the market works is that they, there's a need and then we feel it. And so it's, it's, it's always encouraging to see this. And one of the beautiful things about Texas and about the U.S. is that we have a market that allows us to do that. And, and folks really need to step back and just kind of appreciate that because in, in a lot of – basically the rest of the world, we wouldn't have a show like this because it wouldn't be us, you know, all these companies competing to get something done. It would be the state-owned entities doing this. And so it's very encouraging to see. Yeah, I, I found it fascinating when I look at the, the economies that are controlled by government and how our activity, just individual activity, cuts down so much. Uh, it, it People are just are not entrepreneurial in trying to go out and make these deals happen. Because, I mean, they're, they're so overregulated that they, they can't capitalize on any opportunities because there's so much red tape you have to go through. Uh, so, right. yeah, you, well, yeah, very promising. You, yeah, you can't, you can't go get, um, you know alone and go start drilling for minerals in most of the world. And so, uh, I mean, I'm not even aware. I think, uh, I think Great Britain is talking about changing it, but I don't think any other country in the world, the, 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 the landowners actually own the minerals. So you're buying it from the state, you know, and so you get into all this, these problems and, you know, it, yeah, like you say, it discourages entrepreneurship, which spurs on the economy, people coming out and trying to figure out how to make money in this market, you know, which creates jobs, which creates growth. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's great to be in Texas and it's great to be in the U.S. And, and um, we're not getting on the, you know, that that pitch, but it is important that when, as we talk about this stuff that we should be extremely thankful, even in a down economy, that we have opportunities because we have the entrepreneurs and the CEOs and these guys who are going out there and trying to make stuff happen for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, moving on from uh, from France, the next article we wanted to talk talk about today is Matthew Delalo's uh, March twenty eighth, twenty seventeen. And Ryan, I was impressed with ConocoPhillips' recent acquisition in, in the Permian, pulling them up to a million net acres. Uh, they, you know, just behind Exxon and Occidental Petroleum with two point five million and one point seven five million net acres, respectively. Uh, just huge, huge acquisition there. Yeah, and you know, Oxy, they they're a they're a large company as we know. Um, they're not an Exxon, of course, but they've got a lot going on out there. Exxon's, you know, they they just bought the acreage, so I'd be curious to see how Conoco comes in and what deals they're going to put in place, uh, you know, as they move forward. So a lot of encouraging stuff out in the Permian, and I mean, we're yeah, same thing every week. Permian's where to be, so you know, here it is once again. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. It, every week there's just new news coming out. It's just very encouraging, but. Man, how long can it last? It's, it's unbelievable what's going on in the Permian right now. Yeah, and you know what's funny is is that uh, every week you know I see an article, or maybe you sent it to me, or I'll, I'll see it somewhere else. It says, "Has the Permian bubble burst, or is the Permian run over?" And I kind of feel like it's the boy who cried wolf, and eventually the wolf's going to come out and eat him, you know. And so it's like, well, I got it right this time, but you know, every week people are talking about that, and no one really knows obviously what's going to happen and when when the Permian will you know slow down or level off or whatever will happen. But it is funny that every week. You know, it's kind of like there's some reporter somewhere saying, well, it, this is going to happen now. This is going to happen now. And so eventually one of those guys will get it right. And uh, 
I guess they'll they'll think they've done something because they <laughs> they they picked the right week. It's like it's like that pool, you know, in the office that you do, and you, everybody picks a date on when something's going to happen, and eventually one of you gets it right. So uh, that's kind of how I feel about the Permian stuff is that every week someone's saying it's over and it's over, and eventually they will get it right. But anyways. One out of a hundred guesses, and they finally right, they right, finally, exactly, oh, finally exactly. Yeah, yeah, I see that a lot, man. I see people. I mean, they'll ask that. And next thing you know, there's a huge deal they'll announce the following week that's just massive. So, well, anyway, Ryan, moving on to the next article. Rod Rusin uh, has an article that he posted Wednesday, March 29th, twenty seventeen. Uh, the title of the article is "Oil Expert: Summer Demand Will Be Key to Industry's Performance." And we hate uh, we hate to just keep reiterating this over and over. It's something you've mentioned several times, Ryan. Uh, but really, the fate of the of the market and really what to expect, we can't really tell until we get a few more months in, uh, get closer to June, and see how how the market is is reacting. In fact, we have a quote here from Amy Myers Jaff, executive director of Energy and Sustainability at the University of California, wrote. A critical milestone is going to be when we all wake up a week after Memorial Day with gasoline demand higher than last year or not, and by how much. Uh, so we really can't tell at this point. Uh, but as we as we move forward, we're, we're really going to know something in the next couple of months, uh, really the, the direction that the oil and gas economy and market is going to take. Yeah, and I think it's something like 28% of the U.S.'s energy comes from transportation, uh, is dedicated to transportation. And so... Um, I, I've kind of read some conflicting reports on how much of that is consumer and how much of that is, you know, commercial use. Um, I, I, I do think, as you mentioned, that you know we're we're still waiting on June. Now we didn't get into it today because you know we didn't have time. But you know, OPEC has talked this week about cuts and stuff like that, continuing the cuts, and so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I think that the thing that I kind of walked away from here is, you know, one of the things that's funny about this is anytime that gasoline prices drop significantly, okay, so if they're at five dollars and they go to two. What you see is is that consumers go, okay, we went, we went from five to two. So instead of me just going from here to work, here to work, here to work, I'm going to love the family and I'm going to drive, uh, you know, to Colorado or, or, or wherever the case may be. And they end up spending more money in gas than what they actually save by the price reduction. And so it kind of balances out the oversupply on some level because they've spent more money than what they were saving by not going anywhere during the $5 gas. Now, how much of that will affect the global market? I, I don't know. I don't really think that that's going to be a huge determination, you know, but it, it, you know, at least locally gasoline prices and stuff like that. Um, I think there's some other factors that are more important. You know, some of the stuff we talked about on the show with drilling and what OPEC will do and will OPEC actually follow what they're going to do. I think those are probably more important factors than how much we drive during the summer. I just don't think there's going to be that much more driving. I just don't think that, you know, I don't, I don't think that even if we drove that much more, it'd make that much difference globally with all that's going on. OPEC could lift the freeze. You know, there's a lot of other factors here. Interesting point, this, this is about as far as, you know, uh, consumers and how we perceive price drops and how we overcompensate for it to rebalance the market without realizing it. But um, I don't think that's going to solve our supply glut. Um, that's just my two cents, though. It, speaking of OPEC, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia is basically one of the leaders, main leader of, uh, of OPEC. And it mentions that they cut more than 1.2 million barrels of oil production since January. Uh, to boost oil prices. Uh, so they've really been, their main focus for the last, I guess, two years has been trying to raise oil prices uh, by cutting production. And uh, we've, we've kind of hit on this before, uh, but the, the boom that's going on in the Permian, people are saying is making that, making life more difficult for, for the Saudis and for, for the, for OPEC. 
Um, is that something that's general, generally understood in, in your, in your world run? Yeah. And what's interesting about the Saudis is, is they're trying to take, you know, Saudis have Saudi Aramco and they're trying to take that public. They're working on their IPO. And so they kind of have their own motivation inside of what's going on with OPEC as well. And so, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of one of those games where you kind of read some of these these experts on different things, talk about it, and what you know the game within the game, if you will, of what's all going on. So I I think you know if OPEC does extend the cuts, um, that would be a good sign. Um, but uh, I again, you you know it, Josh. I'm just gonna keep saying it. Until, let's get to June or July, and then from there we can evaluate. And I'm not saying June or July will be the answer. Uh, I just think that we need to get a little bit further down the road before any of this really matters. Um, we keep seeing deals every week, which are good signs for us, for people who are in the industry looking for jobs. Um, you know, Conco Phillips going out to the Permian, that's good. There's a lot of jobs coming on. Um, what will that do for the supply and the demand in the, you know, in the short term? I, I think we're still a little we early. To, yeah, a little, still a little early. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, the poor listeners got to hear me say that every week. So, <laughs> Well, until until June or maybe mid-May. Yeah, now if we turn on next week and oil's at 100, y'all can all email me and tell me I was wrong, and, that, and that's fine. I can live with that. I just That's just kind of my my, my my prediction. So That'd be a great day to be wrong, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't like a boom. You know, I don't like the boom cycles just because of the, the fallout afterwards, but in the short term, it would be good for everyone I know, at least uh, for the next six months. Yeah, right. Well, Ryan, before we jump into the rig count like we always do, is there any final comments you want to make about uh, any of the articles we've covered so far? No, you're doing a good job of bringing in good stuff, a lot of good content here. And I, I just think that, you know, the big takeaway here is, folks, if you're in the industry and you're struggling, which a lot of people still are struggling, you know, the, these articles we talk about every week, you know, we try to cover, uh, Josh gets a wide variety of stuff to talk about. And so if you're in construction, if you're in um, engineering, if you're in land or right of way or, or wherever you're at, you know, all of these things that we talk about somehow should impact you. And so go listen to us and then go read the article for yourself and figure out how do I capitalize on these opportunities? You know, and if you're on a, um, if you work for a company like a enterprise or Kinder Morgan or whoever, well, then now you know of what your competitors are doing. Obviously, this is public information. We don't have any inside information here. But, you know, this these articles, and this is how we use them, Josh, is we use them to figure out okay, A, it's good information to have, but B, how do we capitalize on opportunities that will be coming available? And so that's how I like to right. think about this stuff is how do I look at it? How do I see it? How do I go to ConocoPhillips now and try to get some work from them maybe? Or how do I go and work with these refineries that are going to be built? You know, that, that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out is what's going on. And then the other thing is, is that I've tried to look at it and say, okay, well, if they're going to do this, then that's probably going to happen as well. And so I try to figure out what will be the impact of – some of these projects and things that we talk about and how do we, again, do we, we look ahead and try to project, you know, how do we get, get to be the, the first people in before everyone else kind of figures out what's going on. So that would be my comment, uh, you know, just to take away for the, for the listeners. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, when you see these huge projects like uh, that are being, being undertaken, there's lots of jobs that are going to come in with that for you know, lots of opportunities. So anytime you see a, a major job, there are there are so many different job opportunities that are going to come available. I mean, not every time, but um, as a rule of thumb, I mean, there, there are opportunities that are coming up. And as we bring these articles up, uh, these companies that are making all these acquisitions, they're going to have opportunities that are that are going to be coming available. So uh, there will be great places to look you know, if, if you are interested. Right. And you, the listener, knows your piece of the business better than, you know, Josh and I do. And so you had to figure out where you're at in the supply chain and figure out, you know, how do you capitalize on it? Obviously we can't break down every single piece of the business, but, and, and that's just how we try to do it is, is where do we fit in and how do we go and capitalize on that? And so, um, 
hope hope the content's valuable. All right, Ryan. Well, moving to uh, moving to the rig count. As always, we like to finish everything up by taking a look at the rig counts. Um, to, as of today, uh, the country, the United States, is up by twenty. Uh, that gives us to a total of eight hundred and nine. Texas has four hundred and four. Permian three hundred and fifteen. Eagleford seventy two. Ryan, uh, I think it would be interesting one day to take the rig count from our first episode. And compare it to and compare it to our, our last one, just to kind of see how much they've gone up over the last five six weeks. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know it's uh, one of those things where it seems to be going up on a weekly basis. And so, when will it level out? Um, you know, that's that's the big question, obviously. But um, anytime there's rigs going out, there's jobs to be had. So it's exciting stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Matter of fact, uh, I looked at the Permian about two weeks ago. In the show notes, it's been a little while, so don't quote me on this, but I believe it was two ninety eight. So uh, you see, you see good jumps, man, happening, happening regularly. Yep, absolutely, good stuff, good stuff. And um, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. Reminder: APIYP. I linked to it in the show notes last week. I'll link to it again. If you're in Houston, you're in oil and gas. It's twenty five bucks for the year. You get the APIYP and the API Houston chapter. Uh, you know, surely it's worth it for that. You know, um, a lot of good connections there, a lot of good networking, a lot of good learning. And APIYP actually has a mentoring program that they're rolling out. So if you're involved with anything oil and gas in Houston, I would highly encourage that. We'll link to that in the show notes. If you got any questions about it, reach out to me, and I can put you with the people in charge down there. Um, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. And until next time, keep climbing. <laughs>